Now, let us introduce, we're not going to get very far tonight, but let's introduce part four. And this is an extremely important part of this entire Bible study series. And I'm going to take my time moving through this because it is so important. As we've mentioned from the start of this whole Bible study, there were three distinct aspects in Israel's coming out of Egypt. The first one was the celebration of the Passover. It was through the blood of the Lamb that Pharaoh's yoke was broken off of their lives. The second step was coming to the Red Sea, where Pharaoh and all of his armies were buried, drowned in the water. A clear picture of water baptism. The third step or aspect is now coming to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus 14 and 15, we just finished talking about the Red Sea and how they were singing and dancing and playing the tambourine and prophesying in Exodus 15. Shortly thereafter, they journey to Mount Sinai, and a number of significant things take place there. Coming to Mount Sinai, we're going to see, is a very graphic demonstration picture for you and for me of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We saw in the last part, in part three, that Israel's initial deliverance from Pharaoh's bondage through the blood of the Passover lamb brought them safely out of Egypt. But Egypt came after them. They needed again to witness the salvation of the Lord at the Red Sea, where God destroyed that old life, Pharaoh and his armies, who wanted to take them back into bondage. <clears throat> Fifty days after the Israelites made their exodus from Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, we'll see in just a moment, tremendous demonstration of God's fire, power, and glory at Mount Sinai. The whole mountain is on fire. God's holy presence descends there. The whole mountain is quaking and trembling violently as the Lord comes down to meet with his people at Mount Sinai. Let's read in Exodus chapter 19, and I'm going to skip over some verses for now, and we'll come back and look at them later. For now, we're going to read Exodus 19, verse 1, and then verses 10 down to verse 20. On the first day of the third month, after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day they came to the desert of Sinai. And if you want to do the math, you can find out that it was 50 days. Verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people 
and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Notice, there's a three-day waiting period where they need to consecrate themselves, they need to be washed, they need to be made ready. It says, be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. Just tuck that away for a few minutes, because we're going to find in the New Testament 120 disciples were in an upper room waiting, tarrying, preparing and readying themselves for the day of Pentecost, when the fire and the glory of God came down and filled them with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right, verse 12. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Note those words. The Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. Israel's experience here at Mount Sinai with a fire the smoke, the lightning, the whole mountain shaking, it is a beautiful type or shadow of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And, as I mentioned, many, many years after this happened, God's fire descended once again on a group of 120 disciples who were waiting in an upper room for the promised baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can read about that in Acts chapter 1. This, by the way, was by no accident 50 days after the Feast of Passover. And the scriptures are very clear on this, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version. 
Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come. Notice that. It's almost like God was looking at his calendar, counting off the days, because he had this whole thing amazingly scripted and planned out to the very day. And so when the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the celebration of the Passover, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Jesus had told them, wait. Wait until you are endued with power from on high. Wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. John the Baptist had prophesied about this experience in Luke chapter 3, Verse 16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He, referring to Jesus Christ, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit and fire. Notice the similarities here. They're waiting, they're preparing. Suddenly, there's this shaking, there's a rushing mighty wind. The whole house is rattling and shaking. Tongues of fire are sitting on top of each one of their heads, and they are baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. These 120 men and women, and by the way, if you have any Catholic friends, you might show them in Acts chapter 1, Mary was there. Mary was a Pentecostal. <laughs> she was baptized with the Holy Spirit along with the rest of them. These 120 men and women were baptized with God's Spirit and fire. And shortly thereafter, on another occasion that's recorded for us in Acts 4, they were again Filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm quoting, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Acts 4, verse 31. So fire, shaking, mighty rushing wind, a very dramatic, graphic um, revelation of God to his people, both in the Old Testament at Mount Sinai and in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. Israel's experience with God at Mount Sinai really happened. There really is a mountain, and this really did happen, but it was also, as we've been pointing out repeatedly, foreshadowing 
a far greater reality that would also literally take place in human history on the day of Pentecost as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2. Mount Sinai foreshadowed many amazing aspects of that future blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In these next few weeks, as we proceed through part four, we're going to be examining seven important things that took place at Mount Sinai and how each and every one of these corresponds to something very important about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read off those seven things, and that's as far as we're going to get tonight, and we will pick it right up next time, examining each one of these seven significant things that took place at Mount Sinai. Number one, it was only here at Mount Sinai that God revealed his law and made a covenant with his people. He's already brought them out of Egypt. He's already destroyed Pharaoh and all of his armies in the Red Sea. But he has not yet revealed his law, and he has not yet literally ratified this covenant that he wants to enter into with his people. It happens at Mount Sinai. Number two, God brought his people, Israel, into an intimate, holy marriage relationship with himself. You might be surprised at those words, but trust me, we'll see some scriptures next time where God tells them at Mount Sinai he became their husband. So not only does he bring them into a covenant, it's a marriage covenant, a very intimate, holy marriage relationship between God and his people. Thirdly, and this we just touched on at the end of the last part, God sought for a temple, a sanctuary where he could dwell. And right there at Mount Sinai, we will see the the famous words, let them make me a sanctuary. So, God revealed his law, made a covenant with them, brought them into a marriage relationship. Thirdly, he sought for a, a dwelling place, a sanctuary, a temple where he could dwell in the midst of his people. A fourth very significant thing that happens here at Mount Sinai Now, God did show a little bit of his power and glory at the Red Sea, but they're going to get a much greater revelation now of God's glory. God revealed his glory to the people at Mount Sinai. Fifthly, and each one of these is extremely significant, only at Mount Sinai does God organize and unite the Israelites, into one body, placing them in ranks as a mighty army. And 
chapter after chapter, uh, particularly in the book of Numbers, we will see how God orders tribe by tribe. He appoints leaders, and everybody has a marching order, and everybody has a certain place where they're supposed to march and be. He organized two and a half million slaves into a mighty army at Mount Sinai. Sixthly, he established there at Mount Sinai a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. And finally, the seventh thing that occurs here at Mount Sinai, he prepared his people to march into and possess their promised inheritance. Sadly, it would take 40 years. It didn't need to take that long. Could have been much, much quicker. Nevertheless, he prepares them at Mount Sinai to march as one body, as one army, to go right in and possess the land flowing with milk and honey. This is a tremendous point in Israel's journey. They're no longer slaves. Pharaoh's gone. There's no fear now of being dragged back into bondage or slavery in Egypt. They've seen the power of God. <coughs> now, God is going to do a number of very significant things that will forever change their lives and their history. Likewise, on the day of Pentecost, some very significant things took place. The church was born. The disciples literally became temples of the Holy Spirit, each one a little temple, and God united all of them together into one body called the body of Christ. He made a new covenant with them. He calls them into a holy marriage relationship where we find a revelation in the New Testament of the church being called the Bride of Christ and Jesus Christ their husband. Much, much more we have to look at in the coming weeks on this milestone of Mount Sinai for the Israelites and the day of Pentecost or the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the Christian. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that we are on a journey. And Lord God, as the Israelites declared there at the Red Sea, you will lead us. You will take us out and you will bring us in. And Lord, you have provided everything that we need, everything that we need to enter in to the fullness of that promised land which you have for us, out of bondage into your abundance. And Lord, as we begin to study what happened at Mount Sinai, give us a revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us insight into what you actually have accomplished in our lives by filling us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, 
I thank you for each and every one that is a part of this Bible study. I pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would give us revelation, give us understanding, give us insight into the things of God. And Lord, that we would understand that verse of Scripture. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. God, fill every one of us with the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us, baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.